Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, your inside look at your favorite NHL team. And on this week's episode, we have quite the treat for you. It's the Writers' Roundtable with Chris Cook, Bob Verde, and Fred Mitchell, three of the legendary sports writers in Chicago sports history. Between them, over 100 years of coverage of Chicago sports, and most importantly, the Chicago Blackhawks. We have interviews from Steve Larmer, Jeremy Roenick, Chris Chelios, and a whole lot of good conversation from three gentlemen who have covered the team inside and out for the better part of the last 50 years. All coming up on Blackhawks Insider. Back to the point, Chelios for Larmer. Pass right in front of Tance here, they score! Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. I'm Chris Cook, and I'm joined now by a couple of, I can say this for sure, Chicago writing legends. We've got Bob Verde the great Bob Verde and the equally great Fred Mitchell. I feel honored, literally, I feel honored to be sitting in the same room talking sports writing and talking Blackhawks coverage with you guys. Um, We've got a couple of different eras covered here, maybe three different eras. Bob, when were you the primary Blackhawks beat writer? Um, And then I know you've you've covered them throughout your career, but when you were engrossed in on the road every single day, what was that time frame? I started uh, the year they went from last to first, which is... uh, 69, 1969. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was Tony's rookie year, and mm-hmm. I was rookie, you know, started then, and one of the great seasons of all time when they went last to first and won 10 to 2 on the last night of the season when the Canadians pulled their goalie uh, with, you know, looking for goals, and it was an unbelievable night. And, and uh, that was the start. Wait, that's about uh, how many teams ago? That's about 20 teams ago. It's a lot of teams ago. And I know that you also one of the premier golf uh, writers in, in North America as well. But you've, you've also been around the Blackhawks for quite a long time now, the team historian. Fred Mitchell, tell me about your bulk of your time when you were covering the Blackhawks. Well, let's see. I was at the Chicago Tribune for 41 and a half years. And uh, I started in uh, 1974. In my first couple of years, uh, I worked on the copy desk, which meant, as you know, uh, uh, reading stories from from our uh, writers, editing them, writing headlines. So I had the pleasure of uh, editing, very little, of Bob Birdie's great oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Blackhawks prose. And, uh, what is he I, trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> and I learned a lot, uh, not only about the Blackhawks and hockey, but just uh, how to, to, to write a terrific game story. He would make a one nothing hockey game, uh, you know, the, the running copy, as we call it, uh, really uh, sing. So uh, I started there, and uh, I began covering high school sports for a couple of years before being the beat writer covering the Cubs in the early 80s, and the, then the beat writer covering uh, the Bears. Or, I'm sorry, the, let me back up, uh, the Bulls in the early 80s. And then the Cubs, and then and then the Bears, and then the last uh, about twenty years, uh, I wrote columns, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually had a, a much better opportunity to write about Blackhawks players uh, when I wrote the columns, and a lot of it had to do with uh, what I'm doing now as as a Blackhawks community correspondent, just sort of highlighting uh, some of the great things uh, the Blackhawks players were doing in the community whether it was uh, charity golf tournaments, uh, uh, appearances here and there to, to raise money for charity. Uh, so I, I, I got to follow uh, the Blackhawks both uh, on and off the ice. 
Uh, I was the beat writer for the Blackhawks from starting the beginning of the 2007-2008 season. My first assignment was Patrick Kane's draft, so that was interesting. Uh, and off we went. And then through the 2015 Stanley Cup, and then a couple years after that, kind of um, writing here and there on them. Um, so this is a special edition, I think, of Blackhawks Insider. You've got a, some institutional knowledge here, but uh, really – Two of the, the best writers, uh, guys who I, I hate to say grew up writing because you guys are not that much older than I am, uh, reading rather, but, uh, but you're not that much older than I am, but I really uh, was honored to uh, be on the same team with you guys then and I am now. So I think you've got about 100 years of uh, combined yeah, series. Yeah, I, I think that right? might be right, Bob. Is that sound about right? 90 of it here. Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> we appreciate that you're carrying the load on that one. By the way, if the Bears are still looking for a kicker... <laughs> That's right. This Fred is a, Mitchell also this one of the guy uh, is uh, very modest about it. One of the top collegiate kickers of his time. So he's, he's the athlete at this table. Exactly, and we've got a golfer in Bob Verde, and um, I watch a lot of football and golf. So there you go. That, that <laughs> covers that. So anyway, uh, what we want to do today was get some of your finest fondest memories of the beat, some of your favorite players, some of your favorite moments. Uh, there's, as you mentioned, Fred, uh, maybe a century of coverage in this room alone, and um, that we've seen a lot. Some stuff we can talk about, some some stuff we can't. Uh, <laughs> let me start with with Bob. And I just I, before you get into some stories, I'm I'm now, I'm now reading uh, with Breakaway the the book about uh, Bill Wirtz. And I guess I was reading it, and I know I'm behind the times on it. But um, were you in fact the guy who who dubbed Bill Wirtz Dollar Bill, and how'd that come about? I was, and uh, he didn't like it at first. He thought it was, you know, sarcastic, which it probably was. But then uh, he started going to games, and people would come up to him with like a dollar bill and ask him to sign it. And then and after a while, I said, well, geez, this isn't too, too bad. And, and I like Bill. We had many moments that were tense, but uh, I thought he was a, a good man and uh, did unbelievable things off camera for charities and employees and just never wanted to make a big deal of it. We just had different ideas on how to run a hockey team, and he owned the team, and I didn't. <laughs> I think it's interesting, the relationship that you shared with him and a lot of the players back then. I've heard stories of you playing golf with the players during the season and, and maybe uh, sharing a pop with them afterward or after a game. How How is it different now uh, as opposed to then? Was it, were you closer to players then? And how difficult was it when you know that you had to write something critical about them, but next thing you know, you're, you're going out with them? Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't go out with them every night. There was a, obviously a different age right. uh, uh, disparity. You know, I was about the same age as... And uh, it was a little more, a little more easygoing then, and it, it, it was just a question of developing... Trust, you know, if you mm -hmm. go out and have a beer with a player, any sport, any manager, any coach, and he tells you something off the record, it stays off the record. Not for two months, for two years, forever, you know. And you have to develop that that trust. And I, I was never much for the uh, assassination school of journalism. Mm -hmm. I, there's a big difference between a saying a guy had a bad day, you know, when the, he made three errors, and he's a bad player. Big difference. Right. Fred, how, how did you see kind of that beat um, transform from when you started to maybe now? Yeah, you know, as you know, Bob mentioned, uh, 
it was a different uh, uh, relationship, I guess, between the reporters, the beat writers anyway, and and the uh, coaches and the managers. So, so when I covered the Bulls as a beat and the Cubs as a beat, back in those days, the the beat writers from the big papers uh, were allowed to travel mm-hmm. with the team on the charters, on the team buses, and you, therefore you developed, as Bob said, a a, uh, a personal relationship with the, with the players. But at the same time, you wanted them to understand that you had a professional obligation to be objective and fair. And that's, you know, that's the best thing, the best compliment uh, any beat writer can get. And I've had uh, players that I covered over the years tell me that, you know, I didn't always agree with what you wrote, but I respected you. Be and fair. That, and, yeah. and, and be fair. And, that, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's what you want. Um, hockey players uh, are, are uh, well known to be easier to work with than a lot of the athletes from other sports. They've always been uh, more accessible humble, agreeable, all those uh, good things that, uh, that we reporters come to really cherish when it, when it comes to uh, writing about these uh, about the players. And, and this is true for not only the, you know, the current hockey players, but for the players, uh, Hall of Famers, right? Decades later, they remain uh, the same type of people, and that's something that I've always appreciated. I think that I can safely say this, that there are two – you guys are the two among the two most respected writers I've ever I've ever run across, and I think that that's important, right? You're respected not by, not only by the readers but by the mm-hmm. your subjects as well, because sometimes you have to be hard on them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you you have to look them in the eye, and sometimes you make a mistake, right? right. And you've got to you've got to cop to it. And I think that yeah. you guys did that. You can also have a little fun, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because right. make right. a, uh, a terrible error, you know. You can have you can have a little fun with right. it without. Without running him up the flagpole, you know. So um, we're going to get into some of our top memories um, throughout our careers. And uh, I also had the the fortune uh, to sit down with some of the Blackhawks greats recently, uh, including uh, a guy that um, played a long time. So a lot of us saw him play with Steve Larmer. Uh, I went ahead and I asked Steve Larmer what his greatest memories of playing with the Blackhawks. Well, I think uh, obviously playing at the old Chicago Stadium was – uh, a highlight. Uh, what a fantastic building! I mean, the fans were right on top of you. It was as loud as as uh, any rink in the league, and uh, it was a, a fun place to play. And I had the opportunity to play with, you know, over the course of 12 seasons, a lot of great teammates that uh, not only helped me grow as a hockey player, but as a person too. So, guys, he mentioned some of the top teammates he played with. Now, the guys I remember him playing Steve Larmer with were Dennis Savard and um, L.C. Cord, which I thought was one of the great lines uh, of that time. What do you remember, uh, each of you guys, that, those guys and kind of that era of Blackhawks hockey? What do you remember most about that? Well, uh, the first thing I'll say is I believe Steve Larmer belongs in the Hall of Fame, but <clears throat> we mm-hmm. could have a whole podcast on that, but... He came off completely off the radar. He was a distant draft choice, 120th, and just fit right in. Uh, played the same on the road as at home, consistent. Uh, you talk to Secord and Savard, and he'll tell you uh, they'll tell you that uh, he made them better. Mm-hmm. He was great at both ends of the ice. And he was one of the fastest guys out of the locker room <laughs> in 
history, primarily because he didn't want to talk about himself, or uh, he didn't, you know, he was very shy, humble, and uh, he would shower, and I, I, I'm guessing that he, by the time the Blackhawks locker room cleared out, he had been at his favorite establishment already <laughs> for a couple, so you know, he, he was just the consummate professional. Um, I just happened to see him at Dennis Savard's golf tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was the honoree and uh, made a speech of about two minutes, which is for him. Which is you know he's in the Harold Bain school of <laughs> brevity. But uh, off to the side, he says, you know, I wouldn't, there's nothing I wouldn't do, uh, I would do different. Unfortunately, it, uh, he had to leave here to, to win a cup, and it was, it was a tough time. But uh, sure enough, I remember picking up the New York Times one day in 94, and on the front page was the Steve Larmer in, the, in the, one of the buses at the Rangers parade, uh, Stanley Cup parade down in Manhattan. So good things happen to a great guy. Fred, what are your thoughts on not only Steve, but just that, that era? And I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. As a kid, that was yeah. kind of the line I always looked up for. Oh, yeah. oh man, it was just watching those guys play Secord when he scored 50 goals and could also knock your, your block off and Savard with the, the moves. And then Larmer, as you said, maybe the guy, the glue that held the, that held the line together. Yeah, you know, a popular term uh, for all athletes in all sports nowadays is, is availability. In other words, the guys who you can count on uh, to play through um, minor injuries, I guess. So when you look at, um, at uh, Larmer's record, 884 consecutive games with the Blackhawks, which is an NHL record, that, that speaks volumes in terms of uh, not only the, 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 the type of player he was, an outstanding player, and I agree with Bob, should be a, a Hall of Famer. But uh, just to be consistently a guy that you could count on uh, night in and night out to, to come through. And then the accolades are great. He won the Calder Cup or Calder Trophy in 1983, all-rookie first team, two-time All-Star. Um, so he's, he's got the numbers to, to, to go with the uh, – a Hall of Fame career, in my my opinion. I agree with you there, and I, I did ask um, Larmer about playing with those two guys, Savard and Secord. Here are his mm -hmm. thoughts on that. Well, I think, you know, Dennis, obviously, uh, he's just a fantastic person to begin with. Uh, not only a great teammate, but a great hockey player. Uh, Al Secord, it was, uh, you know, we our line kind of had the right mix of everything with grit and finesse and, and, and whatnot. So it, it worked well for, for the years that we had the opportunity to play together. And I always, often tell everybody that, you know, Al Secord might be the last guy that's ever played that's scored 50 goals and got into probably 30 or 30 fights in a season. So uh, I think that's quite an accomplishment now because the game has changed so much. But, uh, you know, having the opportunity to play with guys like Dougie Wilson and Bobby Murray and Daryl Sutter and Rich Preston and Greg Fox and uh, Billy Gardner and Ricky Patterson and, and guys that we all kind of came up together and, and helped mentor me. So it was a lot of fun. Now, Bob, I've got a lot of fun memories throughout my years on the beat. Um, a lot of them are off the ice, uh, you know, things that uh, aren't caught on cameras, or although these days almost everything's caught on a camera, right? But uh, when the Blackhawks went to the Tonight Show, I was in the audience for that, and uh, stuff like that I really enjoyed. Bob, what are some fond memories you've had 
that you, that you have from covering the team for so long and seeing those guys on a regular basis? Well, I was lucky to, you know, uh, first of all, get the job. And then I remember, gee, walking into the locker room the first time, and I'm petrified. And there's Bobby Hull and Stan Mikita, and they looked at me like, uh, so this is the new kid. And uh, they were great. I mean, they could have they could have given me the old, you know, cold shoulder, but right from the start they were terrific. And uh, and then there was Pat Stapleton who stole my typewriter on my first road trip, but that's uh, <laughs> he just tor he just tormented me uh, because he tormented everybody. Geez, uh, so many uh, lo lots of laughs. You know, you, you never really. Uh, you don't always see the laughs uh, in print. Uh, many of the, many of the, you know, Makita used to have this uh, snipe hunt that he got Keith Magnuson hooked on. Tell me know. about that. Well, he was a rookie, and he said, uh, "Well, we're going to have our uh, Keith. We're going to have our uh, annual snipe hunt tonight." And, and Maggie was, God bless him, was just gullible and he's a rookie and he says okay so what do I do so they take him out into a field in in uh, western suburbs and I think they had Maggie believing it was Wisconsin and and Stan says okay now this is a real fertile snipe area so here's your bag you collect it you just go out in the field and you go here snipe 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 and the birds will come, and then you just put them in the back. And then you come back, and, and of course, this is just a complete ruse. And Keith thinks that all the players are doing this. Well, they're not. They, they leave him out in the field and go to uh, an establishment. In the meanwhile, they have alerted the pol local police that, there is, that uh, Keith is out in the, in the field hunting snipe. So naturally, uh, the charade continues. They go out there with the flashlights and they, and, uh, and they arrest him. And he's petrified, you know. And they bring him back to the police station and he, he thinks his career is over. And finally they show up. But th this stuff went all, on all the time. And uh, the bond of, uh, I, I would say, you know, I mentioned... Larmer and uh, Savard at the golf tournament there recently. I mean, they've been apart for a long time, uh, retired for a long time, but they're still like glue, you know? Yeah. And that's it's nice to see the way the guys stick together and a lot of it through the alumni. The Blackhawk alumni is the, <clears throat> I believe, the best organization of its kind in professional sports. You mentioned some great characters in there, and for me, one of the great players with the, the most character and had fun loving but also a really hard worker was Jeremy Roenick oh. a guy who we we still run across and I had the fortune to, fortune to sit down with him recently and asked him uh, about his time with the Blackhawks and here that is oh man well I mean number one first starting you know when you, you know, when the team drafts you at 18 and puts that 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 trust in you and um you know drafts you in the first round especially a kid from from the United States high school kid from Boston that weighed 150 pounds <laughs> Um, that didn't happen in the 80s. Um, you know, the Blackhawks took a chance on, uh, on a young, speedy um, high school kid that, um, you know, they expected big things from. 
So number one, just having that, uh, that honor bestowed on you uh, to come to a great city. I was one of the lucky, lucky ones of the first round to come to Chicago where uh, I had a chance to play, to come into a his historical team. Um, guys like Savard, Wilson, Larmer, um, Keith Brown, I mean, I can go on and on about the guys who were my mentors, Dennis Savard. It was, um, it's, it's a special, special bond. I think there's, you know, the Hawks go around different places around the country, and usually the cities they go in, there's more Hawks fans than the home team fans. I think that says a lot about, um, you know, how the Hawks have been viewed, and to be, be a part of that history um, and at such a young age was really, really special to me. So, um, like I said, I was one of the few real lucky ones of 1988. Talked about your skill coming in as a young player, but it was, I think it was your passion for the game and the way you played the game. Didn't take any shifts off. Uh, do you think that kind of uh, the fans embrace that, especially Chicago fans who kind of I think like 100%. Work I think every fan loves um, somebody that can entertain and, and bring you out of your seat in different aspects of the game. Uh, but, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is coming into the National Hockey League, I was not a physical player. I was not a guy that was the, you know, the tough, in-your-face, um, brash type of guy. I was very standoffish. I was very, actually, I was kind of a shy kid in, in high school, um, obviously frail. But mentally, I was tough because I was always brought up with really difficult, tough coaches. My dad was my coach as a, as a kid. Uh, Bantams, I had a, a man named Paul Kramer who was just a, just a, a general uh, coach. Uh, we won two national championships as a Bantam. High school, I had a, a gentleman called Arthur Valasanti who was known as being a very in-your-face, loud, uh, chastising, but, um, but knowledgeable coach. And then coming into Chicago, I had Mike Keenan. So I was able to deal and be able to handle the verbal attacks, the tough love, the, the yelling, the screaming, got, made me better. But it was Mike Keenan that made me that physical guy because he wanted in the early 90s, he wanted to have that badass mentality, that tough mentality. You're gonna come into Chicago Stadium and you're gonna get an absolute beating in the first 10 minutes um, with the sound of the crowd, um, the size of the building, and the way that we played. So he literally challenged me and pretty much gave me the ultimatum, either, either you become a physical player, you become an in-your-face player, as well as the talent, or you're not gonna play here. So for me, that's, he, he created a, a, a mentality for me, an image that I think really resonated with the fans. When I made a big hit, the place went crazy. Made a nice pass, the place went crazy. Scored a big goal, the place went crazy, and I tried to do that as much as I could. So I, I love that image. You accomplished a lot in your career with a lot of different teams. Um, any regrets? Blackhawks, I mean, like, I'm guessing the fact sure, that you guys never yeah, raised the cup. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you always want to raise the cup, but you're only one person. It's a team game. You know, sometimes you just have that, you don't have the luck of the draw. But you always look back and say, you know, what if, you know. I actually had a conversation with a couple friends the other day, you know, what if I was a Blackhawk my entire career? Where, where would I stand today? Mm -hmm. Goals, points, popularity. You know, still, you know, I still feel I'm one of the most recognizable players in all of hockey, uh, even current and past. A lot because of my television work, but a lot because of my brashness, and my personality, and the, the way that I, uh, I treat the fans. But, you know, there comes a time when you have to find 
where to speak and where not to speak. And as a young kid, I didn't have that. Uh, you get wise with age. And I think my separation with the Hawks in 96 was, uh, uh, was really unfortunate. Didn't have to happen. Um, I think the lines of communication uh, weren't where they should have been. You look back and say, what, what if? Would have been nice, but uh, you know, it's still nice to be associated with the team in any, any aspect that I can. Yeah, I think it's 20 plus years. You haven't been around the Blackhawks much. What's it like now being kind of uh, back with this organization? You know, you went to the fan convention. Yep. And, um, people are well, it's great. You. They've been great with me in certain aspects, right? So they had the, you know, the Jeremy Roenick night where they came and honored me after, my, after I retired. You know, we had the one last shift, which was amazing. Um, you know, I've gone to the Hawks, uh, to the Hawks stores, um, you know, to sign autographs for, for the team a bunch of times. Uh, it's, it's important to me. It really is. Uh, you, there's always a bond to the team that drafted you. I said this earlier. Um, I have a love for, this, for this, this team. I have a love for this city. I come in to do events 15, 20 times a year here, and there's not one time where the place that I'm at isn't packed to the, to the walls. So they treat me really well. So um, to, be, to be able to come back to the, you know, to the convention, to be able to represent that shirt and that jersey again, um, that sweater is really um, puts a, put, makes my heart warm. I know you're plugged in as an analyst for NBC. What do you make of the move that Stan Bowman made over the summer, and how do you see this Blackhawks team faring next season? Well, I'm, I'm glad he went out and was as proactive. Uh, he, he had to address a couple issues. You know, great, great first-round draft pick, who I think is going to be really good. Uh, obviously, on defense, they need where they need the most help. Um, getting Olimata, I, I think, could be a really good play. Um, if he can stay healthy, he has been injury prone. Uh, he, I think he has a bigger upside than he has been able to, sh to show as of now. Um, I think he can be a good four or five defenseman, um, something that the Hawks really need big time. Plus, you have Stanley Cup material. Uh, it's hard to grab Stanley Cup credentials, so and he has that. Getting Andrew Shaw back here is really big, for, I think, because he it adds that grittiness, adds that... Uh, um, that ability to play more physical in your face hockey, which and a fan favorite. It'll be interesting to see if um, if Nylander can can find his way into the National Hockey League. I think he's got a couple. He's got the talent, but whether he's got it upstairs, uh, the mentality to be a professional athlete would be will soon be seen. Um, but I think the biggest the biggest thing that they address could be the thing that gets him back into the playoffs, and that's getting Robin Leonard. Not to say anything against Corey Crawford, because I'm a huge Corey Crawford fan, but with his injuries over the last couple of years, his concussion uh, issues, not knowing you know, how much of a year he can play, um, to have a guy who comes off a Vesna, Vesna year turn his life around. When you have a backstop and two goaltenders like Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, you give yourself the, uh, the foundation of a, of a very good quality team that can go a long way. So and the confidence having somebody back there. Um, unfortunately, when Corey was injured, that goaltending aspect was, I think, left a lot, a lot of suspect um, thoughts for the team. And you play a different way depending on how confident you feel. So I, to, you know, to answer your question, I, I liked what he did. I think he could probably still pull in a, a couple more moves maybe, but um, you like as a team that your GM goes out and is proactive, that, that sends a message. and. And I'm sure two years missing the playoffs, guys like Kane, Taves, Keith, uh, Seabrook, um, they've had enough of that.
Jeremy Renick, obviously a great hockey player, but to me, one of those guys where a great interview as well. You ask him, I mean, that was what, five minutes or something. I, I asked two questions or three questions. He just went on. Fred, throughout your career, and I'll even open up the Bears because I, I, you know, your Bears coverage is outstanding. Who are some of the guys who are great interviews, great guys to talk to? Might not be the best player even on the ice, but or on the field, but guys that you would go to and just get a great quote from. Yeah, well, certainly with the with the Bears, the uh, of the '80s, we we're talking about guys like Steve McMichael, sure. right? Was always going to give you uh, a great quote. Um, Dan Hampton, uh, very candid. And then you know, just listening to uh, uh, to him talking about uh, uh, his personality changing and, and coming into the NHL as as sort of a, a shy guy with uh, not much personality. Just look how he evolved, right? And just we forget sometimes uh, uh, how young these athletes are coming into a league twenty, twenty one, twenty two, or perhaps even younger than that in the NHL. And to see them mature and, and, and turn into the, the people that they that they are, uh, I, I think this is a, Jeremy Roenick is, is, is a perfect example of, of somebody who had personality which uh, a lot of hockey players don't demonstrate. Right? They don't talk about their uh, dislike for for teammates or, or, or opposing players or coaches and. Uh, Jeremy was not uh, reluctant to to do that, and he was you know involved in some controversies. Was suspended for a game in 2003-2004 season when he threw a water bottle at an official. Uh, he was always had a, a quote aimed at an opposing uh, goalie, perhaps, and uh, so that it made it entertaining for us in the media to to write about him and the things that he said as, as well as as the things that he did. And uh, I think it's good for hockey, good for the sport. I had a lot of great uh, conversationalists when I covered the team. Um, you know, Sean O'Donnell, you know, Craig Adams, Kevin Adams, our own Adam Burrish, the guy who would ask him a question and you could walk away and he'd come back. <laughs> and Ten minutes later, he's still talking. Bob, how about you? Who are, the, who are your go-to guys? Who are the, the best well, quotes you got? Well, he was pretty good, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and his recollection is not to be taken lightly. He was a frail he came in frail. He was this frail high school kid, and there was still then uh, some skepticism of Americans. And uh, you know, would he be able to handle the the rough stuff? And uh, his first playoff series uh, in St. Louis, he takes the butt end of a stick in his in the mouth, loses teeth, has his nose rearranged, bleeding profusely, and uh, comes back and scores the winning goal. This is his rookie year, instant hero, you know? And and from then on, uh, typified, you know, he, he, like Kane, like Bobby Hull, like Savar, they, they, they realize it's the entertainment business. And and same thing off the ice, you know? And, and Dennis was... You know, once Dennis got the uh, English language down, tremendous interview, Bobby. Uh, Stan was always great, funny. Uh, Maggie, Keith Magnuson, uh, thoughtful. Uh, been a lot of them. Uh, and uh, I, I can't say that when Jeremy came up as a rookie and it was, as Fred said, kind of a 
bashful, you would have never uh, uh, foreseen that he would become a TV star and an outspoken one right. who sometimes spars with his fellow analysts on set. But uh, that's Jeremy. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's opinionated and he's smart and he's sharp and he, and he loves the game and uh, he's another one who really didn't have to leave Chicago, which he touched on. Another guy that I think all three of us have run across, uh, Chicago guy, Chris Chelios. Oh. Uh, one of the all-time great players, one of the all-time great interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great Tim Sassone, longtime Daily Herald writer, is no longer with us, but uh, once told me that, you know, Chelio said to him, um, just write whatever you want and I'll say I said it, which is, I'm <laughs> still waiting for somebody in the current Blackhawks to tell me that. But um, did that, uh, do you remember stuff like that from him, Bob, and, uh, and Fred as well? Um, a great quote, a guy who really spoke his mind not, and wasn't afraid to speak his mind back in a time when some players uh, weren't able to do that. He had a great edge and still does, but great sense of humor. Uh, talk about a warrior. I mean, he was, he, he only spent nine of his, how many years did he play? 40? Uh, 45. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> only spent nine years with the Blackhawks and, <clears throat> and um, still leads the franchise in career penalty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to this day says that uh, there's very, there's a very good chance if, uh, that if he was playing under these rules that he would be suspended like once every two weeks, right. you know. Right. I mean, he was, a, he was a tough, tough guy. It was a tough situation. Even though he was a Chicago guy, tough when he's traded for Savard, who was mm-hmm. beloved. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, fit right in here and, uh, again, had to leave under uh, some difficult circumstances, uh, went to Detroit, had to had to live with that for a while. Uh, at least in Chicago, it was great for him because he won there. Mm-hmm. But he's an ambassador now, and he's a beauty. He, what can I say? He plays golf with Michael Jordan. He hangs out with all the Hollywood stars. He has his own boat. He's always perpetually suntanned. He's my hero. Yeah, <laughs> Fred, he could have been a football player, right? Oh, yeah, that, that that, you, know, you know, I was just thinking. You know, when we talk about. Uh, both uh, Ronick and Chelios, uh, it, it kind of underscores the, the difficult, daunting tasks that the scouts uh, have when it comes to pre- predicting and projecting what a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid is going to become, both physically and uh, emotionally. So uh, when you talk about Chelios, he, he was a guy who was uh, cut from a, a lot of his youth hockey teams. There were numerous occasions where I would imagine he would say it would have been easy for him to give up the sport and say that I'm just not cut out to to do this. But uh, obviously he proved everyone wrong, and and the longevity he had in the NHL is is just uh, amazing. And uh, so both the the physical, the emotional, and the uh, ability to, to withstand adversity all these things come into play, and you know, once again, uh, the NHL scouts have a, have a difficult task to try to see if a, a young teenager has this w- within him to to develop the way these guys did. I was able to sit down with Chris Chelios recently, and uh, he touched on a lot of things you just talked about: his longevity, and mm-hmm. uh, and Bob mentioned going to Detroit, and here are his thoughts on that. Chris Cook here with Chris Chelios, NHL legend, Chicago guy. Back with the Chicago Blackhawks organization, how does it feel to 
hear that you're back in Chicago and, and how exciting is it to be part of this organization? I mean, I knew I always wanted to come back to Chicago even after I was traded and, you know, thankfully, you know, Rocky Wirtz and John McDonough, you know, welcomed me with open arms. I always set up when I was ready to come back to come speak with them and I, can't, I couldn't imagine last year, uh, you know, in the ambassador role with Bobby Hall and Tony Esposito and Savvy. Um, it's too good to be true, you know, being back, being accepted after what I went through, you know, in Detroit. So um, it was a great year, and I, I can't thank John McDonough and, and Rocky enough for bringing me back home. You played a lot of years in the NHL, played uh, several different teams, obviously. What's your fondest memory as a, as a Blackhawk? I'd have to say, you know, obviously I didn't win the Stanley Cup as a player. I'm hoping to get that opportunity now as management, um, as an ambassador. But I think 91, uh, the team we had in 91, uh, high expectations. And then that all-star game in the old stadium. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be on that team with Jeremy and Eddie Belfour. Uh, and, and that I just sticks out in my mind, Wayne Mesmer singing, you know, the national anthem and the, during the Gulf War. Pretty emotional time. Um, anybody who didn't hadn't been to that old stadium, they'll never forget. You know that that evening and that that weekend. Uh, it's just something that, as a Blackhawk player, and being able to you know represent your team in your hometown. Sitting across from me, looks like you could go out and take a couple of shifts right now. <laughs> You're no. shaking your head no, but what's what's the key to, to the longevity you had and, and playing through some of the maladies that you had? Well, for starters, being with great players, teammates, and and goalies to start out with Eddie Belfour, Hasek. You know, Chris Osgood, uh, Patrick Raw. I was, you know, when I made a mistake, they were always there to bail me out. I didn't make the highlights a lot, but uh, which was a good thing. But I, you know, very. I worked hard like a lot of guys, but I was able to recover quick from injuries. You know, I sustained some pretty bad ones early in my career with my knee, and that was part of the reason why I got traded. Uh, they, they didn't think my knee would hold out, and it, and it did. So. Uh, Again, the right place at the right time when I got traded to Detroit, it was that I couldn't carry the load in Chicago anymore and, and the timing couldn't get better. And now all's forgiven and I'm back here, you know, back home where I should be. It seems like all is forgiven after you went to the Red Wings and, you know, obviously the arch rival of the Blackhawks. As a Chicago guy, is it, uh, is it nice to know that the fans are still embracing you after all these years? Yeah, I mean, I, I expected it. And, I, and, and John McDonald will tell you, when they came to honor me, uh, a year or two after I'd been uh, traded to Detroit, I, I told him it was going to be a disaster, and it was. You know, I got booed off the ice. Uh, wife and kids were on the ice with me, but I, you know, like I said, I, I chuckled it. And I, I expected it, but again, I, I couldn't have asked for a better reception last year at the uh, at the convention, my first year back, and. Um, and not too many guys who pull off what I did, and it's worked out great. Your second year with the organization, back with the organization, um, I know you're in an ambassador role, but obviously you follow the team. What do you like about what Stan Bowman has done this summer? You know, I, I love the, f the fact they bring Andrew Shaw back. Uh, I felt that that's part of the, the thing that when they had their success, they had those role guys, you know, like Bull and Burrish, uh, Bickle. Those, all those guys, are, they're really key parts. And unfortunately, every team, when you have success, those guys benefit and sign, you know, bigger contracts with other teams. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, but again, they've had a little bit of size, it looks like. Uh, the skill's there. You know, you say what you want, and everybody's always trying to count guys out. But their core guys, Seabrook, Keith, Taze, and Kaner, they haven't, you know, to me, they're as good as they ever were. They need a little help, just like, you know, like to the point I got to when I was traded. Um, and they've added some good young guys to get lucky enough to get that third pick overall, you know, and, and have a talented team. I, I, that kid, he's big, and it looks like he's going to be a, a winner, this kid. Chris Jalios, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. I don't want to get too deep into beat writing uh, because uh, I'm not sure it interests a whole lot of people other than the people that are in the middle of it. But uh, Bob and Fred, you guys, in, in my some extent, have some miles between us on the road. 
uh, crisscrossing North America and often going um, across, around the world uh, covering teams. Any nightmare travel stories, Bob and Fred? You guys, uh, oh. anything pop in mind? <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, right? and yeah. rental cars and rental car shuttles and yeah. walking. Yes, Bob, what do you what do you remember most? I'm trying to forget right. some of the. Yeah, there was a. We used to, you know, the Blackhawks used to travel like n- normal people. We'd go commercial when I I started. Billy, there was no. Billy Ray, the coach, would hand out the boarding passes and the meal money. It was he was the only coach. There was no nutritionist and no uh, uh, assistants. And uh, but uh, I mean, those were fun go- going with the team. Uh, there have been some. We've all had horror stories on the uh, on the uh, on flights and blizzards and. I'm trying to think of the worst one. I, 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 I can't write at the moment, but, I mean, we've made so many road trips. Talk about the miles we've accumulated. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tougher now because, you know, it's travel is, I mean, you used to maybe get on a flight for, from, uh, from uh, Chicago to Boston at 7 in the morning, you know, after right. a night game here and right. go, you know. And there'd be ten people on the flight. Well, you don't see that anymore. Is it? Yeah. It's much different. But uh, it was all it was all fun. Yeah. Well, most of it was fun. Yeah. Well, speaking of blizzards, Bob. So I, I remember when I was covering the Bulls in the early '80s. And Jerry Sloan was the Bulls coach there for a few years, and uh, so the beat writers traveled with the team, and we were in Detroit, and supposed to fly commercially to New York that next morning and there's I think it was supposed to be an 8, 8 a.m. Uh, bus ride from the hotel to the airport in Detroit to go to New York so there was a threat of uh, of a snowstorm and and Jerry Sloan it must have affected him at some point in the year where he panicked and changed the bus time to like 6 a.m. and uh, and left me there uh, and uh, i you know, flew on my own and caught up with him. But he was so apologetic the rest of the season. So I was so sorry that it happened to you. Uh, and, you know, as Bob said, we, we would fly commercially. And uh, when I was with the Bulls, uh, he had Artis Gilmore, who's seven foot two, mm-hmm. and a couple other uh, seven footers on the team at that time. And I remember walking through the airport and uh, some fan or whatever came up to Artis Gilmore and said, so, oh, are you guys uh, basketball players? And <laughs> Gilmore looked down and deadpan and said, "No, we're a hockey team." <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's so many stories that uh, we beat writers share at the end of a year. Can you believe this happened? Can you believe that happened? Uh, I was in San Diego uh, to do a feature story on the late Rashan Salam after mm, the Bears yes. drafted him in the first round in 1995. So I was sent out there to do a, a feature story on him. So I. Uh, get my car pulled up to me outside the hotel that I'd rented. Spent the whole day uh, interviewing his high school coach, his family, his parents, his friends, Rashawn, the whole bit. Spent the whole day. Came back at about 6 or 7 in, in the evening, and the uh, valet at the front of the hotel said, oh, man, I'm so glad that you came back. I gave you the wrong car, and people thought that their car was stolen. <laughs> so uh, things like that you, you, you don't forget. You know, guys, I could sit here all day and, and talk 
travel stories with you. I could talk about Blackhawks teams. I could talk about writing. I'd love to pick your brains about uh, writing. As writers are always learning. Um, hopefully we'll do that soon. Maybe a, yeah. a favorite beverage in front of us next time. Um, but I can't thank you guys enough for what you meant to uh, readers uh, throughout the years and, and to aspiring writers and, and still are. Still uh, two of the best writers in town. And I, I feel fortunate to uh, have joined the group writing for the Blackhawks uh, digital content team now. Just briefly, how surreal is it now from where you were years ago covering this team to now working for this team and being able to tell stories? Bob? It's been an education for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, John uh, McDonough, when he took over, uh, I was working in golf, writing golf, and he called me and he was looking for some phone numbers because he, one of his first... Uh, I mean, this place was in flames, and yet one of his first things was he wanted to uh, patch up some relationships with Tony and Stan and wanted some phone numbers, and so we got to talking, and anyway, he hires me as a historian. I had no idea what that meant, but as it turned out, uh, they've made history. It's, it's been an education to see what makes a great organization tick, and... Uh, this is a this is like a you know one of the model franchises in professional sports and uh let's face it 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 wasn't that uh when we were writing about it uh so it's it's been a uh, an eye opener for me and uh plenty of history to write about Fred how about you what are your thoughts on working yeah, for Black Yeah it's a, a wonderful opportunity uh, and uh uh, John McDonough and Jay Blunt and I go back uh, together from the days when, when they worked with the Cubs and I was the beat writer. And as I mentioned earlier about, about traveling with the team and the organization, we, we spent a lot of time in, in, uh, in airplanes and hotels and, and got to know each other uh, years ago. And I think just as Bob mentioned, uh, what I think makes this organization unique is that they are so conscious conscious of relationships between people. And I think that's, I've always said that that's one of the most underrated qualities of any organization is to have people uh, in charge with great people skills and, and, and how to put people in the right places to be uh, not ha- not only happy, but productive and, and, and contributors. So uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity and uh, grateful to uh, continue the relationship and hope we all can add something. I know, Chris, you're at, uh, adding a, a lot to uh, the product, and, uh, and, and Bob is uh, a Hall of Famer. So I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this group as well. I feel very honored and privileged to uh, be your teammates. Thanks for joining us today. I had a great time, and maybe we can do this again soon and come up with some more stories. Sounds good. Tribune Thanks. reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Crossing over the Nordic line, has room, walks right in, he shoots, he scores, a hat trick for Jeremy Roenick. And a great play by Larmer again to send him out of his own end, and Roenick did the rest as the Nordic defense looks like the Keystone Cops.